Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness to us, Lord. God, you are the most real thing that there is, Lord, in the universe. You are realer, you are more real, Father, than our circumstances, more real, Lord, than um, our bondages, more real, Father, than anything else, Lord, that there is. Father, we want to live in that reality. We want to live in the reality of you, Lord. And Father, we desire, Lord, just more and more to have, Lord, your life and your power just intersect our lives. Father God, we desire just to see more of the life of God coming into us, Lord, into our families, into our church, and to the world around us, Lord. Father, we desire that. Father, we pray, Lord, today, Lord, that this morning in this simple, humble time, Lord, that we have, Father, that you would speak, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will just give me the grace and the power and the strength, Lord, to share, Father, what... Uh, is on my heart this morning. And Father, I pray that you give us the grace to listen, Lord, and to understand. And I pray for everyone, Lord, who will listen to this even later, Lord, who listen to the recording. Father, I pray that by your grace and mercy, Lord, you will touch their hearts, Lord. Father God, we humble ourselves before you. We pray that only Jesus Christ will be glorified today, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that nothing, Lord, of my flesh will get mixed into this. And that only you, Father, will be glorified, Lord. Father, we pray that you make this a time that brings us life, Lord. And, and touches us, Father, where we need it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness today. Um, we pray for the churches here in Boston, Father, this morning as they gather. Lord, wherever your word is truly being preached, Lord, and taught, Father, bless them. Lord, and we pray for this hotel, Lord, um, for their business, Lord, bless them. Lord, even as today, Lord, we're giving them the Longwood Hall and meeting here. Father, we pray that you will bless them, Lord as they continue to struggle through this pandemic season. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 from verse 1. Can we stand and we're going to read it? I'll be reading from the 1984 NIV. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day, 
to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple court, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at a temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. If you go down to verse 5, to verse 16, um, sorry, verse 12, men of Israel, to verse 12, when Peter saw this, that is the, the crowd, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had, we had made this man walk. And go over to verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him this complete healing as you can all see. You can sit down. Thank you. So here's a man who's crippled from birth. The Bible tells us in later in chapter 4, verse 22, that he was over 40 years old. Was over 40 years old, crippled from birth. So crippled for over 40 years. And as was the case in those days, and as is the case in some parts of the world even today, a man who is um, crippled like that, handicapped, can do much in terms of having a job and providing for himself. That is still the case in some parts of the world. And so that was the case for this man. He, he, he couldn't take care of himself. He couldn't take care of his family. He, he had to... He, he, he had to go out and beg. And so he went out, was carried to the temple every day, the gate called Beautiful, and that was his life. You go to the temple, get, um, beg for money, and then after begging for money, you go home. Same thing all over again, over and over and over. That was his life. And um, 
until the day when he met Peter and John, who instead of giving him money, prayed for him and he stood up and he walked. Now, what does this uh, mean for us? Here's what I, I want to talk uh, to us here today. See, there was a, a contradiction in this man's life, a paradox. This is a man who's being taken to the temple. The temple is the place where the presence of God was supposed to be. The temple is the place where God is supposed to dwell. But every day he was taken there, went home, and nothing changed in his life. The brokenness that was in him, in his body, remained there. Nothing changed for him. Year after year after year after year, he was taken to the temple. And all he could expect was some sympathy from people, a few coins from those coming in. And, but when he went home, the truth is, the reality is, nothing much had changed in his life. His core problem, his core issue was not resolved. And so he went to the house of God, came back home the same, went to the house of God. But the truth is, all that he expected was what man could give to him. And he became comfortable in that. He became comfortable in that lifestyle. And he had some people, we don't know whether these were family members or friends, I don't know, but some people who took him to the temple, that was nice of them. But see, they didn't offer him anything more than what man could offer to this person, which was just some money and some compassion. See, in our lives, there's often something that's deeply broken. You may not be physically handicapped, but is there some area in your life that is just broken? And where you then develop this life where you come to church, you come where the people of God meet, you go back home, you come back the next Sunday, you go back home, you come back the following week, you go back home, year after year after year, but then nothing fundamental changes in your life. Is there something like that in your life? What is it that is broken in you that has not been fixed? See, there, there's, there are things like that in the Christian world. And if you talk to people who go to church, if they open up and they begin to share with you what is going on, you will find out there is a lot of brokenness there. Things that just should have um, been resolved a long time ago, but it just become part of their lives, and, they, we, and we learn to accept that. We come to church, we say we wanna, uh, uh, we're encountering God, but the reality is that we become comfortable with just what man can offer us. 
some new ideas, some sympathy. And so what, what, is, what is broken today in your life? What are you crippled or paralyzed by? Is it that you are living in some kind of fear that never goes away? Is it that there is sin in your life, a bad habit that has bound you? And year after year, counseling after counseling and, 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 and so forth, service after service, it just doesn't go away. Is there something like that in your life? Is there an unforgiveness? Is there some, something that you don't want to forgive or that you find that you are unable to? A bitterness, a, a, a resentment against someone. That will cripple you. Like very few things would. Not forgiving people. You know, Jesus said, if you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. I mean, that's what Jesus said. You got to stop and think about that one. You mean if you do not forgive people their sin, God will not forgive you. That's right. It means that if you've held a grudge against someone, have not forgiven them for 10 years, your sins of the last 10 years are still piled up against you. That, that's what Jesus said. I, I, just, I don't know any other way you can read that. But that's, a, that's a huge handicap in a person's life. How do you go about life if your, 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 your sins are not forgiven? The Bible said, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven and whose transgression the Lord does not count against him. Now, if you take that away from a person, how are they going to function spiritually? So, is there that, or is there, or is there a wound in your life? Somebody did something against you, or you went through some circumstances in life, some kind of disappointment, and it hurt you, and it wounded you, and you haven't been healed from it. What is it in your life that's gone on for a while? Do you still have the same old anger that you had five years ago, ten years ago, and you blame your wife or your husband for it? Is there the same greed? Is there the same lust? Is there the same uh, addictions on the internet that you had 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? The same thing. And, and it becomes this cycle of going to church, going back home, but then nothing is changing. And the truth is, the reality is this. It's possible to become comfortable in that. And this man did. Just accepted it. This is the way things are going to be. And we get there sometimes where we become comfortable with our own crippled lives. And we become comfortable with other people's crippled lives. We start expecting nothing new and nothing more from, any, from ourselves or from anyone. Somebody comes, and, 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 and this is really sad because 
it devolves into the church being a place where we're basically trying to comfort to comfort people in their bondage and we just try to make life as comfortable as we can for them you know it, it, it's like in, in the in the hospital where where they have these uh, uh, palliative care i think that's what it's called right where, where basically the, the person is dying they've given up on on the, on healing the person on curing them treating them and the goal is just to keep the patient as comfortable as possible as they slip out of this uh, uh as, as their lives ebb away. Now that's the church is not supposed to be like that. We're not supposed to be here keeping people comfortable as they die, as they live in death. And this is really what it is. We become comfortable. We start to live in death and we're comfortable with it. Somebody comes to you and says, yeah, I fell into that old I fell into that old thing again. And you're like, oh, yeah, pobrecito. You know, you, you, it happened again. So you let, let, me, let me give you a hug and comfort you. No, thank God for grace and things like that. The truth is we're given up. We give up on any hope of transformation. I remember in college... Being in a, in, a, in a guys' meeting, a men's meeting, on campus. And a minister came to speak to a group of us there. Or maybe, you, I don't know, not good at really estimating crowds. 30, 50 guys, I would say. Probably more than that. And this minister said to these guys, I consider myself a porn addict. And he said, uh, you know, and if you guys are, don't worry about it. God, God understand. He essentially, that's what he said. I looked around. Uh, wait, did, did he just say that? And later on, we broke up into groups, into small groups. And I told the guys in my group, that's not true. And... You will be surprised. I don't know if you will be surprised. I was surprised. None of them, no one of the people in my small group believed that. Believe me when I said that. I was like, no, there is freedom. And one of them, a good friend of mine at the time, looked at me and just kind of rolled his eye. Yeah, Freddie, come on. Just get on with reality. It's not going to change. I looked at it. I was like, that's not good news. You say to a prisoner, hey, your chains are going to be there, but thank God for grace. You're never getting out of that jail, but yeah, this is good. Is that good news? No, it's not. That's telling somebody, yeah, you're going to live in death for the rest of your life. And, and, and this misunderstanding of what grace is gives people some kind of comfort that they can remain like that and it's going to be okay. No, it is not okay. It is not okay. Let's not get comfortable living in death. And so, what happened is that one day, this man ran into Peter and John. I want to talk about 
What, what, what does it take? How do we make sure that we don't live in death? How can we bring life to our... You see, the, the thing is that even sometimes we bring people to church. This guy was brought to the temple. We bring people to church, but we don't hope for much transformation for them either. And um, some of you maybe were dragged to church because your parents come to church or your spouse come to church or your brother or friend, they, they, they drag you, they had enough influence on you to bring you over. But is there a transformation happening? So here, here, here's what, what, what happened here. Peter and John, the Bible says, they were on their way to the temple. Why? To pray. Peter and John were going to the temple that day to pray, to connect with God. If we want to see the life of God come and things that have not changed in a long time begin to change, we have to get back to the, out, to the time of prayer. You see here, it says, um, it was at the hour of prayer. At Meaning this was a regular thing that they did. That's in verse 1. At 3 p.m. in the afternoon, they were, they, they, they were going there to, they were going to the temple to pray. And when I say we have to get back to prayer, it's not just that, it's not just prayer meetings. It is individual believers going back to their prayer closet and learning to talk to God about their problems. Learning to go to God and talk to Him about their problems. As long as we want to talk to other human beings, be on the phone with people, and then we don't talk to God about our issues, there will be no change. We're expecting our solution to come from man. And Peter and John were not like that. These were men who connected with heaven. They were not going to the temple to ask anybody for anything. They were going to the temple to pray and to reach out to God. Um, let me give an advice here. I, I, I rarely do this, um, give advice to married people. Uh, a lady one time was in my house, older lady. She heard me speak somewhere and she said, and later after a meeting, she sat at my dining table and said, Freddie, every time you make a comment about marriage in my heart, I just start to laugh. And then she proceeded to start laughing <laughs> in front of me. <laughs> and uh, in other words, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what she thinks of Paul, who gave a lot of advice. And wasn't. Anyways, I don't argue with that. But I'll say this, and you can uh, judge whether you take it or not. Listen, people go to counseling for a lot of things. Because they're having marital struggle and so forth. But you can go for a thousand hours of counseling. You can go to marriage seminars and all kinds of stuff. I know this from the Word of God, which is the same for all of us. Until you begin to go to God 
and begin to pray about whatever you and your spouse are going through, there will not be much hope. You can go get ideas and you can fight with your spouse and you can go try to get pastor. Usually you'll go try to get the counselor to take your side in the argument. And you'll take the advice that is suitable for you. You'll throw away the one that you don't like. That's what people do. I know that. Until you begin to go to God and you get honest with God and begin to cry out to him to come and change and bring a new day into your home, there will not be a change. And here's what will most likely happen as you begin to pray. God will start to talk to you about you <laughs> and what you need to change. And uh, it, it works out like that. Until we begin to go to God and pray, call on him. A lot of our bondages and handicaps will remain there. There is a God. If there is any, if there is something that we can learn from Genesis to Revelation, is that there is a God who answers prayer. There is a God who answers those who call on him. You call on God in sincerity and humility. He is going to answer you. I don't know when, how he's going to answer you, but he will. He'll make a way for the man or the woman who prays. Number two. This is very interesting because Peter said to the man, um, Look at us. Now, that's a strange comment. Well, why, why didn't he just pray for the guy? Why did he say, hey, look, look, at, look at us. Look at, look at, look at me and, and, and my, my friend John here. And you know what he was saying there? Take a careful look at the people who are, whom you are encountering today. There is something different here. You see, one thing that I forgot to mention, this is the thing with teaching with no notes. Um, This man, this is mentioned twice here, that he was at the gate called Beautiful. And nothing could be more paradoxical for this man because... He was at the gate called beautiful, but his life was nothing, it was not beautiful at all. It was a life of begging. He was there every day, where are you going? I'm going to the beautiful gate at the temple. But his life was not beautiful. And sometimes we, it's like that. We, we have our, the, our theology sounds great. Our songs sound great. We sing the right things, we believe the right things, but then the problem is there is a gap between what we believe, what we sing, and what we experience. And that, and, and, and that, and that creates a confusing spiritual experience. We, we, we sing, you know, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise, Light in the Darkness, but the, the, is that the reality, though, in our lives? Has that light really come? Has God really truly made a way? 
Have you experienced that? So that, that, that was the, the, the contradiction in this man's life. What he professed and what he believed and what he experienced were not the same thing. And so Peter and John told him, look at us, because these were men in whom there was not that kind of contradiction in their lives. There was no hypocrisy in Peter and John's life. They were men who lived such sincere and true lives that they could tell people, look at us. Now later, Paul says something similar. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. These were not the kind of men who said, do what I teach, but don't look at my life. That's the life of a hypocrite. The life of a hypocrite, it's a life where we say one thing, we believe one thing, but then we don't want people to look at our lives. If we are going to be a church that brings life to the world around us, we're going to have to address the areas of our lives that are hypocritical. Where we are not being honest with God, about where we're at. The world is tired of hypocrites. The world is tired of hypocrites and of people who say the right things, believe the right things, but then you look at their lives and there is something unchristlike, something ungodly there. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. But I'm talking about being honest before God. Is there areas of our lives that are hidden where we are living in a way that do not honor Christ? Then if we go out there and we try to bring life to other people, it's not going to work. Because we cannot give to others what we do not have. If the life of God is truly not working in us, bringing life where we are broken and bringing life where we are dead, we can't bring that to somebody else. There has to be truth, honesty, sincerity, no hypocrisy. A prayer that has been in my prayer list for years now. Every now and then when I go through those prayer topics, I ask the Lord. Just pray, Lord, let there be no sham or scam in my life. One, no sham or scam in my life. And I know that's what I naturally will be. I have to ask the Lord to change that. Lord, let, let there be truth in the innermost being as David prayed. I'm continuing to pray. I think I pray for that a uh, few times this. Uh, I, prayed, I prayed for that this week. We ought to be able to say to people, Lord, look at, hey, look at our lives. Look at us. Knowing that there is nothing there that contradicts the life of God. Number three, Peter and John told them, Peter told them, which is another very interesting thing, silver or gold I do not have. He essentially told the men, I have no human solution for you. 
silver and gold. I, do not have, I don't have financial power. I don't have anything that this world considers great that I can offer to you. I don't. It is strange to me that believers, um, when you hear about what believers complain and are fearful of, oh, look, they're, they're, they're going to censure us on social media. Oh, look, the candidate that we wanted did not win or won, depending on what your political affiliations are. And essentially, the, they're saying, here are all the things that we don't have, man. We should have these things. We should have political clout. We should have political influence. And we should have all of these other, th- all of these other things. That's the total opposite of the early church. They were glad to say, we don't have any of these things. We don't have that. They were glad to say, I, we, we, we don't. We don't have money. We're not a rich church. Nowadays, totally different. For nowadays, we, we show off all the stuff that we have. Look at the buildings that we have. Look at how many people come there. Look at, look at uh, our budget, our church budget. Look at, uh, you know, sometimes I've been at meetings with pastors sometimes. Usually the youngest person in the room. And I overhear conversations. I overhear people talking. And there'll be, oh, Bob, yeah, how many people are in your, in your group? What kind of method are you using? What, are, are you doing this kind of, st- this tactic? Are you doing this tactic? How, how are you doing? And it almost sounds like, the CEO of Verizon and AT&T getting together, say, hey, are you on 3G, 5G? And I sit there asking myself, well, where is Christ in all of this? I, 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 I would hope that I'll hear men of God talking and saying, hey, here's how I'm pursuing the Lord. Here's what the Lord is speaking to us. I don't know if that's just me, but I listened and there's something that almost grieves the heart. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case. I know some very godly pastor. There's one godly one here. I'm referring to Pastor Steve. But it's as, almost as though we're, the church is bragging about the worldly things we have, while the early church boasted of the fact that they didn't have these things. Paul said, I'll boast of my weaknesses. You know, there is a story that I read a while back, years ago. Um, it was Thomas, uh, Thomas Quinez, someone like that, an old theologian went to visit uh, Pope uh, Innocent III. And when he went there, he found the Pope counting some offering. And the Pope said, hey, Thomas, look at this. Peter can no longer say silver and gold I do not have. And Thomas said to him, well, neither can he say get up and walk. He now had all the money. What the, what the early church did not have, we now have. And what they, um, what, what, uh, they had, 
we're struggling with. And so he told him, I do not have these things. We don't have any 12-step programs to offer you. I don't have any pop psychology to offer you. I don't have any of these, these cool stuff. These were uneducated fishermen. I, we don't have any of these things. And here today, this morning, I don't have any of that stuff to offer to anybody. But here's what they had. He said, what I do have, meaning this is something I already, that's already worked in my life. This is the part where it's not hypocritical. I'm not telling you about something I haven't experienced. What I have, what has happened with me, what I know worked for me, it's Jesus Christ. Now, in his name, get up and walk. Held the man by the hand, was willing to go down and help that person. Then he lifted the, he lifted the man, helped him get up, and the Bible said immediately his ankles, his feet got strong, and the man jumped up and began to walk. You see, he went that day from being a, the temple went from being a place where he encountered men who, helped, who gave him sympathy and money to a place where he encountered Jesus Christ. He encountered the power of God that day. And this is what it takes. It takes the power of God. It has to be that when people come to church, they encounter Jesus Christ and his life-transforming power. 10,000 sermons wouldn't have helped this man. It is the power of Jesus Christ that comes into the life of a person, touches them, and they get well. It is not that they were, it was not that he was not offered 12 steps to getting better, all the, any of these, of, of these things. He was offered Jesus Christ, a person. And the power of Jesus Christ came into the life of that person. And here's what Peter, Peter says. He was careful to, 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 to bring glory to God. But before I said that, listen to what happened with this man. The Bible says he jumped up, began to praise God, went in the temple. You see, he didn't get healed and then run off and say, where can I get a job now and start to make money? You see, he, he was a man who wanted, once he was healed, he wanted to go in the temple and praise God. There was a desire in him to get more of what Peter and John had. This is very different than a lot, this is very different than a lot of what um, often happens where people just want God to heal them or touch them for whatever thing is bothering them, but after that they want to go live their lives as they want. They want the blessings of God, but not God himself. This man went in the temple praising God. No one asked him to do that. But there was praise that came out. Like, you, you know, when God has moved and touched a person, there is this praise that comes from the heart that glorifies God. When a person has known that I was broken, I was bruised, I was, I was in bondage, I was a slave, and Jesus Christ set me free, that person will lift their hands. They'll praise God. It will be the spontaneous reaction of the delivered, 
of those who have been made whole. You know, Peter, I believe Peter must have remembered something in this story here is that there was a time when he was with Jesus, a couple of, of, um, a couple of years earlier or so, there was a crippled man who was brought to Jesus, lowered through a roof. And Peter remembered what Jesus did for that man. Told him two things. Number one, your sins are forgiven, which was the worst problem that that man had. He addressed his spiritual problem first. Then he said to the man, get up and walk. Take up your mat and walk. And, and, and Peter must have had that in mind. Here he was presented with the same situation. And he wasn't just about to give the man some money, which he says he didn't have anyways, and then walk away or tell him, sorry, I don't have anything, walk away. By the Holy Spirit, he wanted things to continue to happen as if Jesus Christ was still there in flesh and blood. Now Peter says to the crowd, it's not because of us or because of our godliness that this thing happened. It's not because of our godliness. It's because this man, because of the power that is in the name of Jesus. And later on, in chapter 4, verse 13, even the people who criticized the apostles, even the people who were trying to persecute them, the Bible said when they looked at them, they said these men had been with Jesus. Now, if that's coming from the critics, you know it's true. They looked at these men. They said, these men have been with Jesus. Not that they had been with him three years earlier, years earlier when Jesus was in flesh, in flesh and blood here on earth. But these men had been people who were in constant communion with Jesus. They were men who spent real time with Jesus. How does life come? We got to be men who are with Jesus. Men and women who are with Jesus Christ. Who pursue him. Lay hold of him. Allow him to transform us. That the world can even look at us and say, yeah, there is something different. About this person. So Peter gave glory to God. Let me, in closing here. Um. Let me share something with you that I've never shared in a, in a meeting like this. But I want to I give glory to God. Some couple of decades ago, I was 15 years old at a time. Our family was on our way to... Um, to the, to the United States, and um, we, had, we met some neighbors, um, a couple of ladies, one who was in her maybe mid-20s at the time, the other was maybe in her early 30s. And they were living like in a studio next to ours, and we shared a common balcony. Anyways, one day, I went to uh, share the God, uh, we just happened, I don't know how this happened, we happened to be out there 
And I began to share the gospel with this lady, the younger of the two, the one who was in her mid-twenties. I began to share the gospel with her, with my oldest, my oldest sister, Francesca, was, was with me. And um, she was lost, <laughs> um, very lost. But that, that girl was. And sooner after that, the, the, her roommate, the older one, came by. And um, she looked at me talking to her roommate, and she told me, she was just um, with a very just bad attitude, she told me, hey, tu es un petit garçon, un enfant, elle est une grande dame, tu n'as rien à lui apprendre. I mean, you're a little kid, she's a grown woman, you have nothing to teach her. And I didn't argue with her. I could tell that her roommate, both of them were lost. But the next day, just about the next day, they were called back by their doctor. And their doctor told them that they were, they had to go back and redo their blood test, which was a sure sign that they tested they were HIV positive. And at that time, it was you could not travel to the United States if you were positive. And they were traveling here as well. So anyways, um, so the next day, when they got that news, they did call me to come and share the gospel with them again. Now, it was both of them. Now, I went there again with my, sis, my, my oldest sister, Francesca. She's 10 years older than me, so she was their age. And... Um, I was terrified to death. I never met anyone before who was HIV positive. I remember there was nowhere else to sit but on the bed, and I tried to sit as much as I could on the frame of the bed. Uh, um, and I shared the gospel with them. I, I told them, uh, but when I got to the repentance part, um, the older of the two was offended by that. Turn away from the gospel and never again, we never again had a spiritual conversation with her. And in fact, that day when she came back and made that comment, she had just come back from one of her dates. She'll go out on these dates with all these random guys. And she continued on with that lifestyle. And um, the younger one, whom we had been talking to earlier on, she, 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 did, she did humble herself and give her life to the Lord, came to church. She was prayed for, went and did that test again, and, and um, it was positive. And so she got, became fairly close to our family, my mom, my sisters, my brother, and we traveled here. She stayed back there. She told me later, I don't remember saying this to her, but she told me later that I had told her, God is testing you to see if you're looking for him for his sake or if you just want healing. And so, and she said that stuck with her. And so, a couple of years later, um, I think I was still in high school of the, at the time, I get a letter from her. She said, I'm healed. And I was, yeah, unfortunately my reaction was that you're right. Uh, I, I tend to be a, I'm naturally a skeptical guy. I, I don't just believe, so I try to analyze things. And 
I was like, okay, if you're here, why are you not here, right? So, uh, but, you know, uh, long story short, I'm going to skip all the, those details, but later on, I'm in college, and I hear from my mom. My mom calls me. She's ecstatic. She said, she's really healed. She's here. And um, God did a miracle. She went off and did, I think, three tests that were, that were negative with two that were positive, that had been positive earlier. And we all rejoiced over that. And then a few years later, she gave me a call. Uh, I hadn't talked to her in a long, long time. And she gave me a call. And we talked for maybe two hours. And I remember that conversation. Not only was she um, healed of the physical illness, but you know, let me tell you what was amazing after that conversation, honest to God, was the, the spiritual transformation in this person she sounded, the, the person I was talking to now, and that lost, lost girl I was talking to back then, night and day, doesn't do it justice. It was more than night and day. Here's one of the things she told me. Um, she said she had, been, she had bought a condo and she was doing a business where she was helping people in, in home care, and she had a client, a lady, an older lady who needed someone to help her at times, and she was running out of money. And she said, the Lord told me, you are not going to stop helping that woman when she runs out of money. You are going to help her out. Full time. What I meant, first of all, she can't do any other client, and she's not going to be paid. She told me, so I moved in with her, and, and by a miracle, her condo association allowed her to put a tenant in her, in her unit, which they normally do not allow. And she moved in with this lady and stayed with her till the woman died. She said to me, the people at my church told me I was crazy. The people told me I shouldn't do this. This is wrong. This is bad. And I shouldn't. But she said it was so hard. I couldn't even keep going to that church anymore because of the pressure. But she said, I heard the Lord. God spoke to me. I, 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 I had to obey him. I listened to her and I, I told her, you did the right thing. I was very proud of her. She used to call me le petit papa, meaning this little dad. Said that you, you, were, you said you were a kid, but you became like my father. And I was very proud of her in the way she was obeying the Lord. But you know, I'm not trying to take any credit for that. I'm scared to do that. But you see, what, what, what kind, and we were a notion away, so I had nothing to do with whatever happened in their walk with God after we left. But see, and then you can, you can come, please. Um, what transformed that, that lady? Was it a sermon? Was it a 12-step program? Was it some kind? No. 
the power of Jesus Christ came into the life of a person and transformed them. Touched them not just in the body, but touched their spirit and their soul and made them a new creature, a new creation in Christ. If anybody be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, and all things, all things have become new. All things. Now, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. I don't know what you are struggling with. I don't know what's crippling your life. But I want us to pray today. Won't you stand as uh, maybe Dan begins to play his guitar. By the way, Dan, welcome back. We missed you, man. Yeah, thank you. I missed you. Um, I'll just pray. Father God, now, if there is something in your life that's just broken and that you need God to just come and fix you, you want to say to the Lord God, I, I don't want another year with this. I don't want to keep coming back to church and going home the same. If that's you, um, everyone is standing. You can, you can just remain standing, but just pray in your heart and just, just ask the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Tell Him, Lord, I, I, I really do. Um, I really do need you to come and touch this part of my life. Father God, Lord, as simple as this message is, Lord, Father, I do ask that you will add your power to it. Father, I've shared just some very simple things. Oh God, I ask, Lord, that your mercy, God, that you use this simple truth to set people free and to touch the areas of people's lives that are still broken, Lord. Father, I pray that you have mercy, Lord. Let your people be set free. Father, I pray, O oh God, that there will be a cry, Lord, coming from our hearts, Lord, for you to touch our lives, the lives of people around us. Lord, don't let us be content to live in death. Don't let us be content to live in death, God. Father, I pray that all of us, Lord, will now begin to reach out to you and say, Lord, I want to close that gap, that gap between what I believe and what I experience. I don't want that gap anymore. I want my spiritual experience to live up to the things that I sing and believe and say to other people. Father, please ask that you do that, Lord. Put a hunger in our hearts for more of your power to intersect our lives. Father, do it for those who are here. Do this for those who will listen to this later. In Jesus' name.